Good to see all of you all again. Um, if you are, if you are um, jumping into our series, I'll, I'll let you know kind of where we're at um, in, this, in the uh, series we've been doing on our embodied values. As, as we've started this church and have, and have thought about what God wants us to be as His people, as a church of Jesus Christ, we've, we've identified um, seven Seven things that we want to be, not necessarily things that we're doing right now completely. We've identified seven things that we want to be continually, progressively, gradually identified by. And uh, we've put them in terms of, of action statements. Things that we want to continually be cultivating. Things we want to continually be growing in as people, as Christians, um, as a body of Christ. And so we're going to continue with that today. The one that we're talking about is displaying God's strength. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's you next week. We're talking about pursuing the depths of community. And I'm going to make a case for why this is the best one out of the seven that I get to do. Um, we've been going through the ones previous to this. We've been trusting in Jesus above all else. We've, been, we've talked about treasuring the riches of the gospel. Um, what does it mean for, why did the man who found the treasure in the field sold, sold why did he sell all he had for the treasure of the gospel? Why did, why did he do that? Turning to the word of God. We talked about why, how and why does the power of the word of God, how does it cause us to be different? We went into great detail with that. And then we talked about delighting the wisdom of God's process. That was a couple weeks ago where Robert talked about how God is at work in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then Ray last week with living with the urgency of eternity. It's very easy for us to know that God is, God is real. It's a whole other thing for us to know that he is near. And the one after this is going to be displaying God's strength and our weakness. And we're going to let Robert talk about that. But pursuing the depths of community. This is a tough one because the more you talk about community... Typically, especially in the context of this or church, the more you talk about it, the more it eludes you. Community is something that the more you strive for it and you try to get it, you lose it. It's one of those things that is really a product of all these other things that we've been talking about. Community. The depth of community is really the result of all these different things. And I'm also going to talk to, to today about how it's also a means to all these different things that we've talked about, how community is a means to treasuring the gospel. It's a means to surrendering to the Word of God. It's a means to delighting the wisdom of God's process. It's a means to living with the urgency of eternity. And it's also the result of those things. So it's nothing in itself. Community is nothing in itself. And I think many of us in churches get so off track when we pursue community for the sake of community. We're going to talk about why that is. And why do we use the word depth? Why, why have we, every word in this is, is, is very important. Pursuing the depth of community. Why? Why do we have to use the word depth? Community has become a commodity. It's, it's unreal how often this word is used for things that have nothing to do with the way I'm going to be using the word today. The sheer quantity online community is absolutely nauseating 
Okay? I succumbed to my Facebook urge. And I've been trying to deal with it. I've been trying to understand it. how does this work in my life. I have over 200 friends. And I know some of you have over 2,000 in here. I have over 200. And I'm amazed. I didn't know I knew that many people. Here's the thing. I don't really know them, but, they call them, but we call them friends. And they're not my friends. They're just they're my friends. You, you see how the words mess us up here? The, the, we've used the word friends so much in so many different contexts that it doesn't mean anything to us. And the word community is just like that. There's so many different things that we can have community around. I'm amazed at how the different and unique ways people find to have community around something. A friend of mine in our neighborhood, I, I didn't even know people did this. Mountain bike polo. You ever done mountain bike polo? It sounds to me like an emergency room visit waiting to happen. Mountain bike polo. That's like, you know, horse polo is like, is like, like playing soccer on a horse with a stick. Right? And then mountain bike polo is like trying to ride a bike with one hand and hit a ball with a stick. It's, I don't know how they do it. It's, so, but they do that on Sunday mornings right there at Thompson, at Elwood and Thompson. I'm like, I can't believe you can actually find some the people, amazing, unique, crazy things that people find to do with each other. And they call it community. So, anyway. And in the church, in the church specifically, for those of you that have been in church and, and would consider yourself a church goer, um, you, you know this. Community in the church has become so thin in our experience. For many of us, those of us that have, have been around this for a while, it's community is used for so many things that really aren't. It's not punch and cookies in the fellowship hall. It is not... It is not this, this, what we're doing here right now, sitting in chairs. Don't be mistaken. This is not community. Okay? Community can happen here. But just the fact that we are sitting in a room together doesn't make this community. Does that make sense? It's very important that we get that. And all right, I'm going to even say one more thing. Community groups, small groups. How many of you knew that we were talking about this? That we were going to talk about displaying, I'm sorry, not displaying, but pursuing the depths of community? You knew they were talking about And you thought about the fact that I might actually try to sell you guys on our community groups. Anybody think that? One over there. Okay. Ray did. Okay. Guess what? I'm going to just alleviate that right now. I'm not. Okay. Right now, just for, for the next 50 minutes, I don't care if you ever go to a small group. Okay. So just suspend that. And then we'll pick that up some other time. But realize this. Being in a community group, that's not community. We hope, we hope that something happens in those groups that we can actually call community. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a different term for most of the rest of this message for the depths of a community because I feel like we don't get it. The term I'm going to use, and I've borrowed this from... Tim Keller, I have to confess. Spiritual friendships. Spiritual friendships. How can we cultivate depth in our relationships? How can we make spiritual friends? And I, I feel like that term will help us grab hold of really what community is. Not, not this ideal, not this, this melancholy, vanilla idea of what community might be. 
spiritual friendships. Let's, let's dive in. Um, as, as I thought about this and what, and what I want for us to experience as Redemption Hill in these relationships, what passage, what, what scripture helps me get my head around this the most? And I came to Luke 24, 13, and we're going to read through it. It's a little bit long, but there's method. There's method in, in the longness. This is Luke 24, verse 13, to the end of the chapter. Not quite to the end. Let's read this. This will help. This, this is the context that I want us to think about. Think about community. Don't think about people sitting in a room. Don't, people think, don't think about people sitting in your family room, drinking coffee and talking about stuff. Think about this. That very day, two of them, them, these were two of the disciples of Christ, not the twelve, but two of the larger group. They were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. What had happened? This was Resurrection Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead this morning. And these two guys have left Jerusalem. Okay? on their way to Emmaus, about a seven-mile walk. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Okay? Remember, Jesus rose from the dead a few hours earlier, and they're walking on the road to Emmaus, sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? This is Jesus. I love it when Jesus asks a question he already knows the answer to. Um, and they said, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since all these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he, being Jesus, said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. We would give anything to have been on that walk. Let's go. So, they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but he, they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed, broke, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us 
while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures. And they rose that same hour, we'll talk about that in a little bit, and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the picture. True spiritual friendship. We're gonna, I'm going to spend some time on this, but I'm going to just say it right here in the beginning. Look at how these two guys, casual walk to Emmaus, leaving Jerusalem, sad, depressed, despondent, confused. Something happens to them. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as this man was explaining to us the Scriptures? Now, we don't know exactly all the details, but we have a pretty good idea of what he was talking about. Look what he said. He said, didn't you understand that the Messiah had to suffer all these things? He was talking to them about the Gospel. He was talking to them about his death and resurrection. He was talking to them about the very thing that we want to treasure here. And it said that their hearts burned within them. I'm telling you, something happened between these two guys and they experienced something together to the extent that they began a spiritual friendship. We will see, as we go through this, we will see a dramatic transformation in these two. The way they treated each other, the way they behaved, and what happened from the way they began this walk to the end, and they began a true spiritual friendship with the Gospel. This is what I want for us. This is what we all want. This is what community at Redemption Hill we hope to cultivate and produce. Not a meeting, not a situation, not a discussion, but hearts burning together. Have you, have you experienced this ever with someone? Specifically talking about Christ and the gospel and the cross. I, I'll just toss this out. There's um, someone here named Ralph. Ralph, where are you? Ralph, there he is, back in the blue. Um, I, had, I just ran into him recently after not talking to you for how many years? Was it eight years maybe? Ran, in, ran into each other here and then caught up over, over coffee one time. And I just used, and I've, I'm sorry for using this as an example for me, but I know me better than you, so I'll use my example. Um, our conversation started talking about, you know, what had we'd been doing the last eight years, the fact that I had one kid when he met me, and now I have five, so we've been busy. Um, so we caught up on all the different details of soccer and things that we used to talk about, and then something happened in the conversation, and what was supposed to be a 45-minute coffee turned into a two-and-a-half-hour fast, because we missed lunch, and at the end of that, and through it, we looked at her and said, didn't, as we talked, not about stuff, but about what was going on in our hearts, and what we had realized about Jesus, and how much the gospel had come to mean to us, through different avenues, and different pathways, and through different experiences, we started talking about how much Jesus meant to us, because we realized how much we needed him, and our hearts burned within us. I remember that was, such, that was, that was a feast. And our hearts burned within us. Have you ever tasted that with someone? Some of you are nodding your heads. You know exactly what I'm saying. 
Maybe some of you haven't. And whether you have or whether you haven't, our heart is that we would cultivate more friendships like that. You know, it's not only us in the church that, under, that, that, that go after these things, that understand that, that friendships must be about something more than friendships. Cicero, pagan, philosopher, he got this. He said, friendship is not two people looking at each other. It's two people not saying, do you like me? Are we cool? Are you interested in me? Hey, you're this way, I'm this way. Hey, let's be friends. That's not, that doesn't make a friendship. That's just weird sometimes. That's not friendship. It's two people that come together that like the same thing. See people that come together that have a common passion. And so in the sense, we enjoy friendship, not because we enjoy the friend, but because what we enjoy together. I think we can see that in the hearts of these two guys walking to Emmaus. They, they, they turned that very moment in the evening. I mean, and they run, run, back to Jerusalem in the middle of the night. Okay? You don't walk at night. Okay? You don't walk at night back then because there were no streetlights. There were no policemen. There was nothing between you and anybody hanging out in the woods. You don't walk at night. But something happened to these two that they together trusted each other enough, would walk together close together enough that they could run back to Jerusalem together in the middle of the night. Something about that. Something happened to these two guys. Here's how C.S. Lewis looks at this idea of, of friendship. If we keep going, if we keep looking for friends for friends' sake, if we keep looking to friends for what they can do for us for approval, if we want nothing but friends, we will never really have any. Because friendship is really about something else, isn't it? This is what he said. That quote's coming up. I love his candor. This is why those pathetic people... <laughs> who simply want friends, can never have any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth? Would be, I see nothing and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. Maybe you've met people like this. Maybe you sense this in other people. Maybe you can identify this. No friendship can arise. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about. Friendship must be about something. And those who have nothing can share nothing. And those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Now, you may be thinking here, you know, I have the greatest friends ever. I'm happy for you. You may say, hey, we do all kinds of stuff together. Do I really need Jesus I really need this thing you call the gospel. Do I really need church? Do I really need depth of community? Do I really need any of this to have friends? Well, I know that's a great question, so I want to press this a little further. I think there are friendships that play themselves off as friendships, but they're not really friendships. You have a companion. You have a cohort. You have... Stuff that you do, you have someone that you do stuff with. 
And it becomes a very lame, thin substitute for what real friends should be. And you people come together based on a common goal, based, based on something they're doing together. Maybe it's someone at work, a colleague. And it can only go so far. It, 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 only, it can only be so deep because the thing that you're both connecting about only goes so deep in your heart. Think about your friends now. Think about the things that you end up doing. Think about what you have in common with others that you would call friends. Is, is that thing really, really deep? Or is it just an activity? Ask yourself. Take away every activity, every interest with this person that you could think of. Maybe think of your best friend. Just ask yourself this question. Or if you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend... If all the things that we do together went away, would we still do? Would we still be friends? Would we still spend time together? Can I make this really just direct and forgive me? Boyfriends, girlfriends, like if I stopped sleeping with this person, would our relationship continue? Ask yourself that, because you may not have a girlfriend. You may have a girl companion. You may have a sleeping companion, but don't be mistaken, it may not be a friend the way that we want to pursue, the way we want to understand friends. So, you know, again, people get this. Cicero got it. We can get it. Even social networking gets it. Um, have you, who has heard of Ning? That's the newest thing that I've stumbled upon. Ning, it's a Okay, nobody. Cool. Okay. Um, okay. Ning is this relatively new social networking thing that is different. It's completely different from, from Facebook. And here's how. Facebook connects people on the basis of the fact that they already know each other. Right? Think about it. You friend someone because you trust them. You friend someone because, oh yeah, I remember I went to high school with that person. Or, oh, that person's a friend of a friend of a friend, so I'll call them my friend and feel like I'm a greater friend because I have a thousand friends now. Um, but the Ning works differently. Ning is a social networking tool that brings people together based on common interests. We were, I asked Rebecca to look at some of these last night because I was so tired and honestly I didn't want to look at all the different social networks because I would have gotten sidetracked. But I mean, it's crazy how many different things that people get together about. Who loves Elvis Presley? There's a whole... There's 200,000 of these, and people are flocking to them. They had like 5 million unique visitors so far. It's nuts. Miley Cyrus fan club. Susan Boyle fan You know who Susan Boyle is? She's, uh, everybody, okay. Um, Susan Boyle fan club. It's, now, don't think this is community. Here, here's, and, and this is why people connecting on this kind of stuff, it doesn't go deep enough. Here, because it can only go so far. And if your friendships are, are reduced to connections on, on, on this level, oh my gosh, I appeal to you. I appeal to you. Pursue the depth of community the way that God intended it. Here's, here, here's the thing. Those, those connections can only go so deep because your, your affection for those things, whether it be Elvis Presley or like Lauren, Miley Cyrus, or, or anything. Lauren's my five-year-old daughter. Any, not, she's not five-year-old, she's ten. I get them all confused. That Mia's five, um, but I have five. There we go. 
Your passion for that thing that you connect on is, is limited. It's limited by your energy and limited by your emotion. You stop liking mountain bike polo, you, you can only love that so much. So your connection with those people can only go so deep. Yeah, once you end up in the hospital a few times, you can't do it all. So, so all right. But your connection to that, your connection to those people that do that can only go so deep because your passion for it, your interest in it is limited by your energy and your emotion and your time. Until you have kids and then you don't have time for any of that stuff. Um, then you can live vicariously through them. Yeah, I'll get to that later. Um, you're not allowed to talk during this. <laughs> that is fine. I must have needed the help. Thank you. Um, it can only go so deep. And this is where the gospel takes us deeper. You want a real spiritual friend? You want a real true? It, it must be based on this. Miley Cyrus doesn't care about you. Elvis Presley doesn't care about you. Mountain bike polo, mountain bike polo doesn't care about you. But see, when your connection with someone is based on God, He cares about you. And you will learn over and over and over again every day of your life that you are more loved and more cared for and more taken care of than you ever imagined. And your passion for that can never end. You have unlimited eternal potential in your passion and interest and pursuit of God because He loves you first. And for all of eternity, He will be revealing to you and I through what Jesus did for us on the cross how much He loves us. And in turn, our passion and interest and desire for that can never wane. Therefore, you connect with someone on that passion, you will be a deeper friend. You will have a deeper spiritual connection. You will have more community than you ever thought possible. Does that put in, does, do the comparisons help? Uh, again, this is not something you can go out and go get. It's something that you have to point to and see as the result of what God does in us. Um, I mean, do you guys find people that you automatically open up to and trust? I mean, do you, there's people around you that are like that. And you ever wonder why they're so attractive? You ever wonder why people that, that there are certain people that people are just drawn to and, and people just open themselves up to them? See, there's, there's, something, there's something about this that you can open yourself up to someone when you can trust them. When you know, when you know, that their security in their life is based in something else besides you. That, that they won't get anything out of the information that you share with them. They won't think any less of you. They won't think more of themselves. They will not use this against you. They don't, they don't need this information for anything. They won't use this information for anything. So you feel like you can trust them with your very soul. The only people that you can do that with are people that are secure in who they are in Christ and they actually have a treasuring of the gospel. They don't need you. They don't need your friendship as much as they need Christ and they experience Him. And you, those people that have that about them, people are drawn to them. You ever wonder why maybe you don't have that effect on others? It's, 
It's, it, it, it's this thing where you can pursue friends all, you, all the time and never get any. But you quit worrying about that and you pursue a friendship with God and you treasure who He is for us in Christ and you get all of it. The less you try to have friends, the more friends you'll have. It just happens. It's a result of God's grace for us. It's a result. One of the best ones, I might add. One of the greatest fruits of the Gospel is how we're able to connect. But here's the thing. I need to look at this. You say, Chris, that's great. But my heart doesn't burn. My heart doesn't burn. My affections are not inflamed. My, my heart is not full when I hear you or someone else talk about the Gospel. There's, it's, there's something, even when a couple weeks ago, when, when, when Robert was talking about the, the, the fact that God is at work in us, both to will and to work, his good pleasure. We talked about how God had accomplished something for us through Jesus on the cross that we can never add to, never take away, and he did it for us and it makes everything right. And we know that because Jesus did that for us, anything that's being worked out in our lives will actually be accomplished. And you heard about Jesus taking your sin and, and, and you heard about him putting his righteousness on us and some of us were about to run around the room. And then others of us were unaffected. That happens. In a room like this, we, we all have different connections. We all have different experiences when we hear the truth about Jesus. Everything that I've said works because you have a passion for God as a result of what He's done for us. If, if that's not there, then we have to think about why isn't it there? Chris, you're saying that you have to have a tre- you have to have a treasuring, and your hearts have to burn. Your affections have to be alive when you hear about the gospel. In order to have friends, what? Okay, let's start. Okay, how? What if my heart's not alive? Here is where we will see that community is not is is not just a result of the gospel, but it's a means to treasuring the gospel. Does that make sense? We talked, right, we talked earlier about how community is a result of the gospel. Now we're going to talk about well, how is community a means to treasuring the gospel? How is community a means to our hearts being alive? Now I'm convinced in all of this that one of the reasons why we don't believe and treasure the good news is that we don't really believe the bad news. We don't really believe how much we need it. This is, this is a very trite example, but, but, but this is not a trite issue. This great illustration. Let's say, let's say you're going to meet a friend of yours at, at your house, and they get there before you, and, and they let themselves in, and they're waiting for you at your house, and someone comes to the door, delivers a bill. Okay? Delivers... Something or somebody comes in the mail. Let's say a mailman, Bill. Hey, I look open. You know, 
I'm going to open up the mail, but anyway, you see, okay, better example. Remember, remember when you were little and the people that, people that took up money for the newspaper came to your door? Remember that? You didn't order it online through you know, Times Dispatch. They actually came to your door and actually you had to pay for the newspaper for another month. Okay, I'm 37. None of you guys ever experienced that. Okay, um, Holly did, thank you. All right, someone came to her, you had to give them money. So, let's say, thank you. All right, that was you. Um, so, you come home and, and your friend says, hey, I paid a bill for you. I paid a bill. Now, you don't know how to react until you know what? Until you know which bill it was. Sorry, Ray and I share the same brain. Sorry. Um, you probably heard the same sermon I got this from. But the, um, you don't know. You don't know whether to say, hey, thanks. Thank, thanks for covering my newspaper for next month. I'll take you out to lunch next week and we'll be even. Or maybe the bill was the $300,000 of back taxes that your company owes the government. You don't, see, you don't know whether to thank him and take him out to lunch or to get down on your knees knowing that he did something for you that you could never do for yourself. You don't know. You don't know what that news of I paid a bill for you until you know how much the bill was for. Here's where community can help us. Community serves us best by helping us see who we really are and then allowing us to verbalize who we really are left to ourselves. Um, first, community, being together, relationships, spiritual friendships help us see who we really, really are. Let me go to this quote. This is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, hopefully, there you go. Um, Within true spiritual community, there should never be any immediate relationship to one another. Kind of a harsh statement, but we're going we're, we're gonna to explain this. Within true spiritual community, there should never be any immediate relationship to one another. Only mere human love seeks direct contact with the other person. It wants to gain, capture, by every means it uses force. It desires to be irresistible and to rule. Human love only seeks itself. Spiritual love, friendship, comes from Christ and serves Him alone. Spiritual friends know they have no immediate access to each other. And since Christ stands between me and others, I dare not desire direct fellowship with them. Let me explain this. Because it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? What we're just saying. True spiritual community, there should be never immediate relationship to one another. However, do I need to, let me remind us how well or how well we don't treat each other. Or how we don't treat each other well. Let me remind us how our relationships typically go. There's a verse in Galatians. This is five. This comes up here too. It says, For the whole loss fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, That makes sense? You ever felt like you're being devoured by someone close to you? You ever feel like 
how that hurt. How that hurt. I've been bitten. It's, it's a very real thing. Um, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. See, you won't know. You won't know your sin. You won't know how much you need Christ's righteousness. You won't know how really jacked up we are until we get around other people. You just won't know it. Left to ourselves in our own heads, in our own brains, we can rationalize, we can, we can talk ourselves out of our shortcomings, we can, we can figure out all kinds of different ways to explain away our behavior, but it's only when we get around other people, it's only as we start to pursue community that we start to realize how, how messed up we are and how much we need how much we need God. Because judgmental, I mean, have you ever been, you've been, I mean, you're not thinking anything, not considering anything, and then, and then you get to someone's house, or you get into a conversation, and you start judging that person for something that they're saying. It, it, you start to feel smug about yourself because you're like, gosh, I'm not like that. I'm not that messed up. I mean, do you, am I the only one that thinks this about people? Um, Thanks, Nick. You're the other one. Um, <clears throat> have you ever gotten in a conversation and out of nowhere you start to feel depressed because they're doing so much better than you are? You ever walk into someone's house and be like, oh my gosh. You think about your own house and what you wished it was like. and You see someone parent their kids and you're just like, boy, well, I feel better about myself now. My kid doesn't do that. See, I mean, or... The opposite, where you're like, oh my gosh, that my kid will never do that. Shoot. You know? Or my kid's going to jail. I mean, you just, I mean, it's like, I mean, you just, it's amazing, I mean, for me, how quickly these thoughts fly into my head when I'm around other people. Um, it's, it's like you can't stop it. Um, <clears throat> there's people that make you jealous. You don't know how much you want stuff until you see someone that has stuff, and you're like, ooh, okay, may, maybe, I am, maybe I want that too much. But you don't, real, you don't realize it until you hear someone else talk about what they want. See, you, you don't know your sin until you know other people. You won't know yourself until you get around other people. You won't, you, you won't get it. You won't get your need for God until you start to... Get this close to others. Um, and this is how community begins to transform us. Um, you know, we think so much of ourselves, it's, it's appalling. Um, there's so many different ways for us to be self-righteous, and we don't get it until we have relationships with people. We just won't get it. Um, I'll throw out one here. It just, this is just a, an interesting one because it happened for me in a in a small group here, um, somebody said something. It was that, you know what, that I, I thought needed to, you know, need a little theological, you know, a little adjustment like a chiropractor. You know, not completely wrong, just a little bit, you know, just a little bit of adjustment. And, and it was like, when that, when that person said that thing, it was like, I mean, I was, I was correcting him before I even realized what I was doing. 
Wild horses couldn't have stopped me from saying that. And I realized afterwards, oh my gosh, do I need to feel so good about my understanding and knowledge that I can't let that go? Are you able not to say stuff? I mean, are you able not to say stuff that needs to be said? Maybe you really don't care about that person as much as you care about yourself being known as being smart or knowing the right answer. Maybe you don't care about them as much. Maybe it really is you wanting to feel good about yourself and to let other people know you're in charge. Is that, can you relate to that? I was appalled at myself how quickly that came out of me. I had to pick up the phone afterwards and of course they, didn't, they had no idea what I was doing, but oh my gosh, there was a legion of emotions in me as that was happening. Unbelievable. Yeah, your pastor is like that. Um, now, does Bonhoeffer's tone make a little bit more sense when, 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 you, when you think about it this way? This, this is why when Paul in Ephesians 2 says that Jesus himself is our peace. Not just between us and God, but Jesus himself is our peace with one another. How does community help us own our sin? You will need the righteousness of Christ, and the ability to forgive and be forgiven every single moment. Jesus must be between us or we will bite and devour each other. Our relationships must not be based on how good we are at something or how good someone else is at something or our expectations of them or how well this person makes me feel. It must be based simply on the fact that Jesus Christ has forgiven our sins of which we both have a multitude. That is spiritual friendship. That is what we want to cultivate. It's that understanding. It's in that moment that Jesus can actually become real and precious and near to us when we are so connected to the honesty and the the terror of our own depravity. I'm telling you, you won't know it without other people. You won't know it. That's how it helps. You've got to believe the bad news before the good news means anything to you. I, I would submit to you that if your heart does not burn when you hear about any of this, because you don't know what you're like without it. Like the psalmist said, your sins have not gone over your head. a little word about confession. The other way that community friends help us connect with who we really are so that we can at the same time connect with the riches of Christ. Confession. You... Let's go to 1 John 5. It's up here. It says, this is a message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, 
we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word's not in us. If we say we have not sinned, if, if, if we refuse to own our sin in the presence of our friends, this is essentially what we're saying. Essentially what we're saying. We're saying, then, you know, I haven't, I haven't sinned. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. Doggone it. Other people like me. I don't even know where that's from either, do you? <laughs> okay, good. All right, I didn't know if that had gone through the YouTube annals. but um, have, we, have we neglected the grace that comes to us from God in the, in the confession of our sins to others? Have we neglected owning our sin in front of other people? I mean, it is only the hardest of hearts that can hear someone else talk about where they're falling short and you not immediately be reminded of where you're falling short. Only the hardest of hearts. It's, it's, uh, there's people that, 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 there's some of us maybe that, that say, oh, I'm just shy or I'm just a private person. No, you're actually arrogant. You're actually arrogant. You actually think too much of yourself. That's, not, that's why you don't talk. Don't mean to be harsh. I just, I just, I just, some of you, you, you are shy, and your fellowship is going to look different. You don't want to be like me or, or some of us. It's just, think about it. Are you really shy? Are you really just too proud? Your relationships are shallow? It's just the way, no, I, maybe not. Maybe you just don't have a passion. It's deep enough to have a real friend. Maybe, maybe it's not your personality. Maybe it's not what you think it is. Maybe it's the fact that you're not willing to own your sin. Maybe it's the fact that you trust too much in your own righteousness for you to talk about how you've fallen short. Maybe you don't realize how much you need the gospel. That's why you don't talk. That's why you don't share. That's why your relationships are the way they are. My appeal to us, to you, as we pursue the depth of community. It is, it is a result of what God has done for us, and it is the means to all that we want to have done in our hearts. You know, the, the thing about the, the story of the road to Emmaus, the, the, the end of it, you see these guys, they're despondent, they're, they're helpless. They're, I mean, Jesus rose from the dead that morning, and they're leaving the city, and they, they don't believe. They they're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets said about Christ. And, and then yet, then, 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 then Jesus walks into their conversation, explains to them the entire Bible, which was the Old Testament at that time, about how it's all about Him and Him needing to die for their sins. And their reaction, what are our hearts burning within us? You might say, Chris, Dad, that's easy. You know, if Jesus were to walk into this room, we knew it was Je- Jesus walked in this room, our hearts would... Our hearts would explode. So it's not fair to compare us to that. Well, let me tell you something. 
When did they realize it was Jesus? Did they realize it was Jesus when they were on the road? They didn't realize it was Jesus Christ himself until he broke bread with them and sat with them in their house in wherever it may have been. For them, it was just another follower. It was just another disciple, another man. And it was someone else walked into their conversation and they spoke about the scriptures and their hearts became alive and they became different people and their hearts began to burn. It wasn't, they didn't know it was Jesus. It was another one of them. It was another disciple. They're like, they wouldn't have talked to him that way. Are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on here? They didn't know it was Jesus. Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer also said this. He said that our perception, our grasp on God, our understanding of the riches of the gospel is weaker, is always weaker than the word that comes from our brother about who Jesus is. Let me say that again. Our own perception of who God is, our our grasp on who Christ is and all the isdos is always weaker in us than the word that comes from our brother about the gospel. See, you don't think you need it. You don't think you need other people. You don't think you need all these things. The word that you need that will make you alive is going to come from someone else. It's going to come from someone else. You can't get it on your own. God designed this thing to where you must have someone else preach the gospel to you. And that gospel will only come to you in power and understanding when you connect and know how much you need him. Being together can do that. Spiritual friendships can do that. My prayer for us is that we would pursue these together and that our hearts would burn as we pursue the depths of it. Let me pray for us. God, we, we ask for your grace right now. Lord, there's so much we don't know. So much we don't know about you. God, we ask that there's so much we don't know about each other and ourselves. God, we ask that as we hear this and as we respond to this, that, that we would desire to be known and to know. God, that we, would, that we would know what it means for our hearts to burn for you, that our hearts could burn with each other, and that we could pursue the depth of communion together, not in ways that we have in the past, not in the ways that our relationships have necessarily gone or the way that we think about them now, God, the way that you've intended them to be. God, let our friendships, let our relationships help us enjoy you more, not less. In Jesus' name.